This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at www.uctv.tv careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and grads in career transition bridge to better employment. Hello and welcome to The Pulse, Issues in Healthcare. I'm Leslie Bruce, your host and the Director of Healthcare Leadership and Community Outreach for UC San Diego Extension. Today's guest is Mary Ball, who is leading change as the president and CEO of Alzheimer's San Diego, an organization at the forefront of an epidemic. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. Glad to have you. As we always do, let's start with your background. According to your LinkedIn profile, you have had a fascinating career trajectory with stints inside state and local government, in government and community relations, and in business before landing at the Alzheimer's um, San Diego. Tell us how you got started and what guided your career along the way. Well, I graduated from the University of San Diego, and I had a degree in political science, and I was headed off to law school, but then got involved in a local political campaign and um, didn't end up going to law school and then worked in politics in the first part of my career, which was a a great experience. Um, I then I worked on initiative campaigns, both in California and elsewhere in the United States, then worked uh, in Sacramento and Governor Pete Wilson's administration, wanted to get back to San Diego and became chief of staff for Supervisor Diane Jacob, and then moved into the private sector. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, So political science, that's a good beginning for a, a career like this. And here you are at the Alzheimer's San Diego. That's pretty darn interesting, a very unusual um, career path. Well, I I had worked in government for um, almost a decade and then moved to the private sector and worked in telecommunications for almost 15 years, um, handling um, government relations, um, public Mm -hmm. affairs, regulatory issues. And after working in telecom for so many years, really did want to make a change. And and I had the opportunity to, to look for something where I could give back to the community. And there's no issue or no area that needs more support, more help than families who are caring for someone with Alzheimer's disease. And so that's what got me started with first the Alzheimer's Association and now Alzheimer's San Diego. Well, that brings up a a very good issue. You know, you recently made a presentation to the San Diego Regional Chamber of Commerce Health Committee, which is where I saw you. And the presentation was eye-opening on so many levels. For those who don't know what the Chamber's Health Committee, just as an aside, is a remarkable group of, of stakeholders in healthcare who come together to discuss and recommend actions on healthcare issues facing San Diego business. So there you told us um, about some of the organizational changes that you are leading. Um, I think that's probably what prompted you to come to the committee, if I'm not mistaken. So d- tell us w- what that's all about. Well, the the um, local board for the chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, so it was the San Diego Imperial chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, voted to separate from the national organization. And, and they did that for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, that relationship with the national organization required chapters to send 40% of revenue to the national headquarters in Chicago. And the national organization 
undertook an effort to make that 100% and to um, consolidate all chapters so there would be no local board of directors, no local control, one bank account in Chicago. And the local board of directors decided that wasn't the direction they wanted to go in. They wanted to to even have a, a greater focus on serving the San Diego community. So they voted to separate from the national organization, and a new organization was formed called Alzheimer's San Diego. And Alzheimer's San Diego has taken over all the programs that were had been run for 35 years here in San Diego, and is completely locally focused. 100% of funds raised now stay in San Diego to help critical local research and to help support families who are facing Facing Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. Well, I can't imagine anybody disagreeing with your decision to seed from the national and keep it local. We've had tremendous support from the community, um, from elected officials. Mayor Kevin Faulkner has been very, very supportive. Members of the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, because they know they talk to their constituents and they know that this is such a big issue in our community and that Alzheimer's is really an epidemic out there in terms terms of the numbers of people that are impacted today, and more importantly, the numbers of people who are going to be impacted tomorrow. Oh, exactly. And that, those are all things that we definitely want to get to. Let's start with um, sort of giving our uh, listeners a sense of what is Alzheimer's disease and what causes it? Well, Alzheimer's disease is a fatal disease. It's a neurodegenerative disease that causes cell death in the brain. And uh, many people don't realize that Alzheimer's um, is a fatal disease. Here in San Diego, it's the third leading cause of death. And it's the only disease that's in the top 10 disease killers in the United States that has no treatment or cure. So Alzheimer's is a form of dementia It's the most common form of dementia. So about 70% of the cases of dementia out there specifically suffer from Alzheimer's disease. You know, other forms of dementia include um, Lewy body dementia, which we heard about recently with Robin Williams, that that that's what was determined that that he had died from or that he was suffering from. Um, Frontal temporal dementia, vascular dementia, and then you have Alzheimer's, which is another form of dementia, and again, the most common. Um, So interesting. Well, and, 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 you know, this, this is a disease um, that has been around for about 100 years. It was diagnosed in the early 1900s. And we're still not exactly sure what causes it. Um, anyone who suffers from Alzheimer's or another form of dementia has what they call plaques and tangles in their brains. And um, the plaques are um, amyloid beta uh, protein deposits that are in people's brains and then tau protein tangles. So we're not sure what causes those to accumulate and develop at, at such a, a high, high level in mm-hmm. people's brains. Um, but that's the telltale sign and then uh, of developing Alzheimer's disease. There are lots of people out there that have some plaques and tangles in their brains, and they never develop Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. Mm. But anyone who has Alzheimer's or another form of dementia has those plaques and tangles. And recent research has shown that those plaques and tangles are present 
15 to 20 years before memory loss or other symptoms occur. Mm. So from a research perspective, there's a lot of focus now on prevention. If we can identify people who have those plaques and tangles 15 years before symptoms, how can we develop a drug that can intervene and stop the disease before symptoms do develop? Wow, I, I, I am, this touches on so many things I want to talk about. Um, so what is the treatment now? I mean, I, you know, obviously we're trying to get further and further upstream to, to prevent, you know, years ahead of symptoms. But what are the alternatives available for people who have Alzheimer's disease now? Well, th- there is no treatment or drug that stops the progression of the disease. There are a couple drugs on the market that may lessen the symptoms. So they may help improve your memory for a short period of time. And and those 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 drugs have uh, you know different results on different people. But that's one of the reasons we encourage people to get a diagnosis as soon as they have concerns. Go to a doctor, get a diagnosis, because if it is Alzheimer's or another form of dementia, there may be some drugs that can help improve your quality of life for a short amount of time in the early stages of the disease. Mm-hmm. I understand. I, you know, San Diego is a hotbed of the research for Alzheimer's disease. Do you feel that, um, is there any treatment or, or any of the research that you think is particularly promising? Well, there's tremendous research going on here in San Diego. I mean, we're, we're so lucky that uh, so many world-renowned researchers are right here working on cures for Alzheimer's disease. Um, what we have done is form something that's called Collaboration for Cure and brought together all the research institutes here in San Diego that are working on Alzheimer's and other other associated neurodegenerative diseases. So we work very closely with UCSD, Sanford Burnham Prebis Medical Discovery Institute, Venture Institute, the Scripps Research Institute, the Salk Institute. And so here in San Diego, these incredible researchers really are working together to try to make progress towards some kind of a treatment or cure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple projects um, that are very promising. Um, Dr. Steve Wagner, who is right here at UCSD, is doing incredible work on the Alzheimer's front. Um, there's incredible research being done at Sanford Burnham. So so we're, we're really lucky here that we have this great research going on. That's part of our mission. We want to support it financially and then really encourage people to get involved in clinical trials um, because funding is always an issue for research, but so is participation. Mm-hmm. We need people to be involved in these trials so, so we can make progress. Well, I noticed um, somewhere that I read, I believe on your website, that you're encouraging people who don't have Alzheimer's to also participate in the clinical trials? There's a lot of trials out there that are prevention trials, um, and one of them is being led by, by UCSD. It's called the A4 study, and that is about identifying people who have no symptoms but have those plaques and tangles in their brains and then intervening very, very early to see if you can stop the disease from progressing and symptoms from coming on. And so you do need people who have, again, no symptoms 
comes, um, but they'll go through testing to identify whether they've got the, the plaques and tangles, which are the hallmarks of, of Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some of the growth and impact of Alzheimer's disease. Um, at the meeting, you described it as an ap- epidemic. Can you give us some specifics about the growth and trajectory of the disease? Sure. There's no other disease globally that's growing at the rate that that Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia is growing. Um, Today in uh, the United States, there's 5.3 million people who are living with Alzheimer's or or dementia, and those numbers are set to skyrocket. Um, By 2050, that number is going to be over 50 million. And, And globally by 2050, the S Estimates are that 150 million people are going to be living with this disease. And, you know, it is a long journey with Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. Typically, people will live eight to 10 years and, um, you know, they will will need care for a good a good part of the eight to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and typically that's provided by family members. So Alzheimer's is a disease that, that right now, unfortunately, there's not a lot that can be done medically, but people need care and supervision, um, which isn't covered by health insurance or Medicare. Mm -hmm. And so families step in Mm -hmm. um, because the cost of of paying for care out of pocket is is just out of reach for most families. So it's going to have huge implications on our county and our nation in the coming years. Mm -hmm. Um, And Alzheimer's, um, the the federal government has already determined that Alzheimer's today is the most expensive disease in America today. More is spent on caring for people with Alzheimer's than is spent on people with heart disease or even cancer. So again, those numbers are only going to escalate. You know, as I mentioned, I mean, your presentation to the health committee was eye-opening on many levels, this being one of them. I think that people aren't aware of what a big impact this is going to be. It affects not only the directly afflicted, but all of the people, those family members and those support systems that um, need to step up and and be a part of their care. Um, I noted that your website stated that in 2014, friends and family of people with Alzheimer's and other dementias provided an estimated 17.9 billion hours, billion hours of unpaid care, a contribution to the nation valued at $217.7 billion. Um, and I, what I appreciated was the um, context where you said that this is approximately 46% of the net value of Walmart sales in 2013 and nearly eight times the total revenue of McDonald's in 2013. That gives people a really scary sense about, you know, all of, you know, everyone that's going to have to be affected and step up and, and participate. Right. How, you know, how can we support the caregivers well, and that's that's the mission of Alzheimer's San Diego. Um, we have a lot of programs and services for people who have that diagnosis. But as the disease progresses, it shifts to supporting the caregivers because it's a 24-hour-a-day job caring for someone with Alzheimer's disease or another form of dementia. And caregivers, they need training. 
They need information and education, and they need support mm-hmm. um, because it's very, very challenging um, caring for someone and supervising them 24 hours a day. And so that's the mission of Alzheimer's San Diego is to support people with that diagnosis, but then to support the people who love and care for them. Mm-hmm. You know, And when we look at you mentioned the cost of caring for someone. If you break it down um, just with an individual family, the cost of, of memory care, let's say a person needs to go into a facility mm-hmm. um, for memory care, that's all out of pocket at this point. And that typically starts at five or $6,000 a month. Oh, my God. And, and families can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Um, or to pay to have someone come into your home and care for that person. You know, you know typically to get a, a, a half day, that's $100. Mm-hmm. And so for most families, again, they've got to figure out what's, what's the plan and how are we going to care for this person for that long oh. 8 to 10 to 12-year journey with the disease. Mm-hmm. So when we, I know we talk about a lot of the big numbers out there, mm-hmm. but when you boil it down to just one family, it, pe- people can't afford care. So at Alzheimer's San Diego, we want to train them, support them, educate them so they can go the distance and provide the best care they can for their loved one. And I think one of the interesting things about what I see you providing is this respite care. We have a, a volunteer uh, program that's called All's Companions. And if anybody wants information on it, our website is alzsd.org. And we recruit volunteers. Many of them were former caregivers. They cared for their, their mother or their father or their spouse, and they want to give back now. And so we screen them, background check put them through a great deal of training and then (laughs) and then we match them with a family um, and then they agree to provide four hours of respite for that family every week and for so many of the families that we serve this is the only break that that caregiver gets on a weekly basis and it allows them to go to doctor's appointments um do whatever they might need to do to take care of themselves so they can continue to to care for the person with Alzheimer's. understand. I think it's just uh, an enormous issue, and I think the respite is the only way that we're going to be able to keep these caregivers doing what they're doing. Right. You know, and long term, our hope is that at some point in time, those kinds of respite services become reimbursable for people under Medicare because studies have shown that the health of the caregiver, if they do not get some kind of a break, declines greatly. And it's not uncommon for that husband or wife who's caring for the person with Alzheimer's disease to pass away first Mm. Because of the the burden and the stress of caring for that person, sure. so you know we're certainly at the public policy level always trying to to move the needle so there is more reimbursable support for the families who are facing this disease. So, is there active legislation at the state or federal level to make well it would have to be federal obviously with the Medicare, but to make it reimbursable? There's always legislation pending. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all know the challenges with mm-hmm. Medicare funding and yes. the federal government, um, but we continue to push legislation every year to provide more services um, to families. That makes complete sense to me. And besides caregivers, it seems like we're going to need a workforce 
to deal with this problem. We need to shore up um, our our workforce to cope with the problem as well. What do you see that we would need? You know, what what kinds of people should be? Do we need to help cope with this problem? Well, in in terms of if you look at just um, the medical system, Mm -hmm. um, it's really important that nurses and doctors and um, certified nurse assistants are all being trained in this disease because no matter where you work in the healthcare system, as these numbers skyrocket, it's important that everyone recognize the signs and symptoms Mm -hmm. of Alzheimer's or dementia and the, the care for those individuals needs to look a little different. Um, Can you imagine Mm -hmm. managing uh, diabetes or heart disease where you need to take daily medications, but if you have memory loss, it's very difficult to do that. And and studies have shown that the the cost of health care for people with Alzheimer's disease increases tenfold because of other diseases they might have or other conditions they have. So I think in the, in the in the healthcare arena we need to do a lot of education and training for people who are in the field today and are going to join the field tomorrow. And I think um you know, in terms of um, we're going to need to build much more capacity in the community for um, helping and supporting these families. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can take the form of social workers who really have an expertise in Alzheimer's and dementia, um, home care mm-hmm. um, workers who've got that ability to, to help families and provide that care in the home if they can afford it. So I think there's lots of different ways out there in the workforce that we're going to need to build capacity as a, as a community and as a nation. Exactly. I think, you know, given these staggering numbers and the fact that there is no cure, the financial impact is going to be enormous. And we're not talking just government bu- budgets as we just did with regard to Medicare or Medicaid right. even. And I think there's, um, the there's going to be and there's going to be impacts to employers because mm-hmm. um, employees, as they're caring for their parents, of course, they have to miss work because th- there aren't any other ways that they can can care for that person. And so I think there there will be um, impacts just in the, the general workforce as more and more families and more and more people who are working mm-hmm. also have to make sure that their, their loved one at home is being supervised and taken care of. It, the impacts are just enormous. Um, I noticed that your that County Supervisor Diane Jacob, your former boss, came to the Chamber Health Committee a few months ago talking about a county-led initiative with respect to Alzheimer's. Can you tell us about that and where they are with it? Sure. Supervisor Jacobs started a, uh, what's called the Alzheimer's Project, really trying to bring the community together to talk about Alzheimer's disease and improve care in the community. And one of the, the reasons she got interested in this area is we hold conferences for caregivers and families out in different communities. We'll do three or four a year. We did one out in her district in Rancho San Diego, and it was a Saturday morning, and about 200 people attended, and we had uh, different doctors presenting, 
and Supervisor Jacob attended and I think really got a sense of the silent epidemic out there with Alzheimer's and, you know, knew many of the people who were there and had no idea that they were caring for a loved one at home. Um, So that really piqued her interest in terms of what can the county be doing in this area to help. And so the Alzheimer's Project formed three work groups. One was on public awareness. How do we continue to educate people about this disease, resources out there, and of course reduce stigma. Um, there was There's a care uh, workforce uh, roundtable that really looks on what are resources out there for families, what can we do more of. Um, we pulled together what's the Cure Roundtable that morphed into Collaboration for Cure with all the research institutes mm. and have have identified some really promising projects here in San Diego and, and are funding those. And then there was a clinical roundtable, which was made up of physicians from throughout the healthcare community here in San Diego. And that clinical roundtable was led by Dr. Michael Lobatz from Scripps Health. And they released their results yesterday at the County Board of Supervisors meeting and have developed really standards for diagnosis. What's that protocol for primary care physicians to use to diagnose someone? Mm -hmm. Because as these numbers escalate, there's not enough neurologists or specialists out there. This is going to be uh, primary care doctors diagnosing the disease. And so for the first time ever, there's a standard for diagnosis, there's an algorithm to follow, and then standards for care and management. And so a number of the health systems are moving forward implementing those. So that's going to make a real difference here in San Diego. Well, that is exciting. I think with your, you know, keeping the organization that you run local, with all of our local um, research facilities and, and the excellence that they bring to the task, uh, and then having our county you know, serve as a convener and um, helping collaborate and coordinate, um, I think that um, it sounds hopeful. I don't know. I, I think mean, it is very hopeful. hopeful. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, with, uh, on the research side, the researchers and the research institutes are truly working together and collaborating to make process progress and I think some some good things are going to come from that on the clinical side to have health systems that on a day in day in out basis are competitors but they're really working together to improve diagnosis and patient care and linking those patients with research um, that's that's phenomenal and I think so it we, is we're lucky as it we can. are yeah. I think we are well that's good that's good to hear um, One of the other mind-blowing things that you said at the meeting was this, you talked about the notion of dementia-friendly cities. And that, you know, I mean, I just saw Jaws hit the table at that point. What are we talking about? What does this mean, and how does San Diego stack up? Well, I think San Diego is on the road to to being a dementia-friendly region just from all the work that's going on with the Alzheimer's Project and the, the... collaboration with the the city and county. Uh, But dementia-friendly cities are really about reducing stigma. Um, Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia can be very isolating for people, Um, oftentimes because uh, it goes well beyond memory loss. Uh, Normally, someone with Alzheimer's disease, as it progresses, loses the ability to speak. Mm -hmm. They may lose the ability to walk. Um, Oftentimes, there's 
behavioral issues, outbursts, using inappropriate language, um, potentially being kind of hostile or aggressive. And the more we can create an understanding throughout our community and an acceptance that this is a disease and people aren't choosing to act that way, that this is a, a disease and their brain is is dying. Um, we need to create that understanding and acceptance out there so it isn't as isolating. So people with Alzheimer's or dementia can go to a restaurant, can go to a store, and the people working there are accepting of whatever may happen. So that's really where we'd like to move the region. And I think with the support of Mayor Kevin Faulkner and Supervisor Jacob, we're on, a, we're on the road to getting there. Fascinating. I'm, besides the raising of awareness and um, improving acceptance, is there, you know, I, there was a dementia-friendly city toolkit. Mm-hmm. What does that, how does that help cities become dementia-friendly? Well, I think there's there's information and ideas in there that cities can implement from a, both a, a policy perspective, but then also a practical perspective. Um, it could be um, you know different signage on on transit that are going to help people wayfinding. Um, it could be just a, a an awareness of employees, whether it's public safety employees to transit employees to um, any public employees out there, here's the signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, and here's what you look for, and here's how um, you can react appropriately um, to that person depending on what you see or hear. I think that would be very helpful, almost a cultural change, Mm -hmm. frankly, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So let's talk a little bit more about Alzheimer's San Diego. What does the organization do, and what are you hoping to achieve? Well, our, our mission is to to support local research and then support the more than 60,000 people here in San Diego today that have Alzheimer's disease or another form of dementia. And so we have a, a team of master's level social workers who are experts in Alzheimer's disease and we meet with families one-on-one to develop a, a plan to how they're going to care for this person. We have programs for people who are recently diagnosed so they really understand. Here's the basics of the disease. Here's some decisions that you're going to need to make in the future. Mm -hmm. Here's how to work with your doctor. Uh, Here's how to get involved with clinical trials. So it's really educating the supporting people who just get that diagnosis because at at that point in time you know they they are highly competent they can make a lot of the decisions um that are going to be coming along um you know if they make them make them early Mm -hmm. um and then it's supporting caregivers We've got over 40 support and discussion groups where caregivers can go in their area um, to meet other people on the same path and get information and support. And we also offer a lot of classes and workshops. Last year, we offered almost 300 classes and workshops um, and reached close to 10,000 people Mm -hmm. um, with information that they either need right now or they're going to need in the future. Oh, it sounds all very helpful. I I wonder what what did the majority of people who call the organization look for? What are they looking for? 
It depends. We we get um, calls from people who have been recently diagnosed and they want to understand how we can help them and what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, we get calls from people who um, may be starting to develop memory loss and they would like to, to get a referral to a doctor. How do they get a diagnosis? Um, but most of our calls are, are from caregivers okay. who have questions and need information and support. And it can be questions from, uh, my husband won't get in the car and we can't go to doctor's appointments. What could I say or do that's going to allow him to get in the car? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom won't take a shower. She refuses. You know, these are daily things oh, that people boy. need help with. How can, how can you help me convince her to take a shower? And what can I do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, questions around how to make their home safe. Wandering. Um, is a big risk for people with Alzheimer's. Statistically, six out of ten people will wander. Mm. Um, And I think we all know from um, some tragic cases that those those can end not well. And so we work with families about how to how to how to make their house safe for that person with Alzheimer's or dementia. So that the questions um, that we get vary um, because the disease really varies over time yes. and by individual. Uh, but we answer 800 to 1,000 calls a month from people who need help and support. On a weekly basis, we tend to meet with 15 to 20 families who, who need that help. And everything we do is free of charge. So if people need help, they need support, they need information, I hope they'll call us, then go to our website, alzsd.org, and get information as well. It sounds like a, a treasure trove of resources, that is for sure. I noticed on your Better Business Bureau profile that the organization spends the bulk of its funds on family education. Now, is this what you were speaking of, the 10,000 people that you've reached through classes and workshops and that kind of thing? That's exactly it. It's it's serving families. Mm -hmm. So um, over 75% of our budget is spent on programs and services um, to help people with Alzheimer's or dementia or, again, the people who care for them. And, and I also notice you spend um, a significant, not nearly as much um, as you do on family education, but a significant amount of money on public policy. And I think that's something people don't talk about very much. And it's so important for, a, to me, a nonprofit or a, a for-profit organization to be effective. So what, besides trying to work on um, Medicare reimbursement for caregiving, what other kinds of public policy issues do you work on? We're working on um, an issue right now in Sacramento uh, regarding wandering. And um, last year, the state allowed for Medi-Cal reimbursement for GPS systems Mm. for people with developmental disabilities. So that might be, be... someone with autism, Down syndrome, because they have a tendency to get lost or wander as well. And so we are are actively um, lobbying at the state level to see if we can't get GPS systems paid for by Medi-Cal for people with Alzheimer's or dementia, because the risk is, is very great for wandering. And it just makes sense 
from an emotional perspective and an economic perspective, sure. if we know there's a high risk that someone's going to wander and get lost, let's put some precautions in place. Let's put some technology in place um, that are going to keep that person safe. Well, thank you. I, you know, I wasn't sure this was going to come out to be a hopeful podcast, but I think it is. And I'm delighted that you are here to, to share with us the reasons we should be um, hopeful, even in the face of the epidemic and, and what's coming. And we can prepare and we know that there are resources available to deal with it. So thank you so much for coming. It has been a pleasure. And I'm sure I speak for us all, listeners included, that when I say we wish you every possible success. Oh, well, thank you. And, and thank you for having me on and, and spreading the word about how people can get involved with Alzheimer's San Diego. Well, it is a pleasure indeed. I'm, I'm hopeful that it will help. I want to also thank our listeners. Um, remember, listeners, you can be notified of future podcasts by going to extension.ucsd.edu. Click on my extension and provide your email address. And I'm always open to your suggestions for guests um, who you like to hear. So email me at careerchannel, one word, at ucsd.edu. Until next time, this is Leslie Bruce. Here's to your health.